Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. From its inception, this show has been all about introducing you to the founders and creators that make this city special. We've walked you through their journeys from brand new startups to growing businesses to mainstays in the community. This season, we're expanding our focus. We will always be advocates for the little guys, but this year, we want to bring you stories from the whole spectrum of Atlanta culture. From one-person startups to thousand-member teams, there are organizations all around the city contributing to its success, and you're going to hear about them all right here on Atlanta Born and Brand. The global pandemic has left no organization unaffected, but we believe the signs are emerging for a bounce back of epic proportions in Atlanta. LEAD Center for Youth is a nonprofit, sport-based youth development program. Their mission is to empower an at-risk generation to lead and transform their city of Atlanta by using the sport of baseball to teach black boys how to overcome three curveballs that threaten their success, crime, poverty, and racism. We spoke with co-founders Kelly and CJ Stewart about LEAD's inception, their vision for the future of the organization, and so much more. We want to share every nugget of wisdom these two fearless, relentless, absolute bosses have to share. So this will be the first of a two-part episode. Kelly and CJ are making Atlanta a better place and leading a new generation of changemakers. We hope you feel just how special their organization is. Um, the first thing I want to ask you guys, and it's the first thing we ask most folks, is if you bump into somebody that you haven't met before at a, you know, at a tennis match or at uh, a ball game or whatever it might be and they ask you, what do you do? What's your answer to that question? Oh, let's see. I, what I do is I'm a, a tiller. I, uh, I feel most comfortable. I mean, I think there's four types of people in the world and four type of phases we go through where it's a, a tilling phase, uh, a planting phase, uh, a cultivation phase, and then a, a harvest phase. And, um, you know, within that process, I think, you know, the tilling and the harvesting are probably two of the hardest phases in there on the, on the front end and the back end. Um, but, you know, I just like to get to the, the heart of the matter with people and with things. And so whenever I'm showing up in the room, I'm, I'm trying to till or I'm trying to be tilled so that people can then plant into me and I can plant uh, into others and then we can, we can harvest something really good. Now, I'm sure we'll go into it later on down the line, but tilling's the hard part. Tilling's like hard. That, that's the messy, uh, you know, the, the dirty part of things. It sounds like you en- enjoy, you know, that, that piece of it. Is that why you use that phrase in particular? What, drill into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I do enjoy it because, you know, when, when I have been tilled, uh, and even now when I'm still being tilled and people are really convicting me is when I really start to get even more connected to my myself and my purpose and I think that um, you know just in society I mean we we oftentimes try try to find a nice way of saying things and and so you know months and months of just being nice and not being clear um, creates bad habits for people to the point where then now you got to really like dig into me to help me to understand my flaws and then it's overwhelming. Uh, so I just, I, I like 
constant feedback. Well, I don't, I don't love it, but what I'm thinking about it and when I'm getting negative feedback is I trust you and you're trying to make me great. So if that's the case and I trust you, then I'll, I'll roll with it. That's, that's such a good picture because, you know, Tillin is all about getting rid of the surface level, you know, the weathered, you know, the gritty stuff and getting down into the, you know, the genuine, like, good soil. I love that, that picture. Kelly, how do you answer the same question? So if somebody asks me, yeah. what do I do? I would say I'm a champion for black people mm. um, in general, uh, but a champion mm. for black youth specifically. Mm. That's good. And then if people ask you the same thing about lead, what is what is lead? How do you answer that question? So I say that lead is a love letter to black boys in Atlanta. Um, you know, we make a lot of problem statements about black youth in general and black boys specifically here. And so it was just really important to us to call them out in love. And our mission statement reads uh, to empower an at-risk generation to lead and transform their city of Atlanta, putting an emphasis on their city, because even though there are so many cues that are happening around the city through gentrification and other means that are showing them and saying to them, you don't belong here, it was important that we said their city of Atlanta. Uh, and we do this by using the sport of baseball to teach black boys how to overcome what we call three curveballs that threaten their success, and that's crime, poverty, and racism. Mm. I love that it's uh, your mission statement is organized that way and not the flip of we teach kids how to play baseball, you know, and hope that this other stuff happens. Right. You know, it's, it's, the order is super important in that. Um, t tell me about you guys background. I know you're both, you know, semi-local, but have, you know, have taken a little bit different paths. Maybe CJ, start out. Tell me about growing up and what ultimately led you down the path to, to where you are today. Yeah, so I um, was born in 1976, April 10th. Uh, I'm a Grady baby, and um, growing up in Northwest Atlanta, um, had a very young mother, uh, uh, a young father, my, my mom was 16, my dad was 25. And, um, you know, my family, you know, is, is not a well-known name uh, like uh, the King family, the Abernathy family. Uh, so, you know, with that being said, being young and not coming from generations of wealth and being black, um, you know, what that meant is that being a Grady baby meant you were black and you were poor. And so, um, you know, one of the things that was modeled for me, I, I had my mom and dad in my life all of my life, and one of the things that was modeled for me was uh, hard work and grit. And so, you know, for them, you know, us starting out, you know, for a, a huge chunk of my life growing up in poverty and then moving to working class, um, you know, that took a lot of uh, commitment. I, I think about, you know, me as a child and just, thinking about what um, I was perceived to, that I should, should become. Um, doctor, lawyer, engineer, speak proper, dress proper. Um, it wasn't said directly, but as I was navigating life, it was, if you wanna have a good life, you need to act white. And so, you know, even, you know, looking at television and things like that, um, 
you know, so it was, it, it, it was real tough when I got older. When I was younger, it was kind of cool because I was a kid, even though I was getting picked at for um, dressing white, uh, I, I got called on a lot to speak. So whenever people would come to the school, it was, you know, go get Courtney, you know, and, and so I'm speaking in front of the school and doing different things. And so that was cool. But um, I just kind of felt like as I got older and uh, really starting to um, find myself, I just felt like I, I wasn't an authentic version of, of myself and, and just really started to accept the fact that, you know what, I love baseball. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be an engineer. Um, and, and I saw uh, a lot of hope in baseball, just watching watching the Chicago Cubs in 1984, they won the uh, the National League East, uh, and you know at that time they had a lot of African American players on the team. One in particular was uh, Gary Matthews, the Sarge. Um, so I would watch him play, uh, and then um, go outside and hit rocks. Uh, I, I didn't know that I was supposed to pray for bad instruction. I didn't know I was supposed to prayed for an opportunity to play on a travel team. I just watched the Cubs games, go outside and practice. was fortunate enough to play baseball at Cascade Youth Organization uh, in Southwest Atlanta, uh, which, is, which was you know, the, the community that a lot of um, historical figures lived in. Hank Aaron, Maynard Jackson, at the time Councilman John Lewis, Hosea Williams. So people that I was reading about in books, I saw these men at my baseball games. Uh, my baseball coach was uh, Emmett Johnson, senior, who was the chairman of the Atlanta Public Schools Board of Education. So, you know, he was a very powerful man. Uh, so, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm feeling like I, I can do this. I'm around greatness. Um, you know, it was some, some trauma at home, uh, but in the, the larger part of the community, uh, I found a lot of hope. Um, Moving through childhood, I'm 14 years old, and uh, I meet this amazing man, uh, T.J. Wilson. And T.J., uh, I can't remember the exact day and, and how we met, but I was at Westlake High School. Uh, he was telling me about how he thought I could be a good baseball player, and I'm like, okay, that's great. Uh, within a month, I had a batting lesson um, with Denny Pritchett, a well-known batting coach in the state of Georgia. Um, the problem was uh, that and combined together, and we're now friends, so let me say that, but he was white and he was giving me instruction in Forsyth County. So here I am, a black kid, coming from Bankhead, going to Forsyth, getting bad instruction. I'm scared as hell, because I don't know what's gonna happen to me, but everything that I thought that would have been bad uh, didn't happen. Uh, Denny helped me, and then several weeks later, I had my first workout with the Chicago Cubs. I was 14 years old, was able to build that relationship with them over many years was drafted by the Cubs out of high school, uh, and then I uh, went to Georgia State University instead, um, instead of signing. Had a lot of struggles at Georgia State. Um, you know, it wasn't so much that um, the academics was tough. I mean, because I graduated from Westlake High School, and so we had a very strong school, very rigorous. But I'm a, I'm a black kid in this white space, and it was, it was suffocating to me. Uh, and my, my coaches, good men, but they didn't know how to help me. Um, and so, you know, here I am at Georgia State University, which is now an amazing school and graduates uh, more African-American students than any university in the country. But back then, I mean, there was no support if you were black and coming from the inner city of Atlanta. Uh, I was academically ineligible there, transferred to DeKalb College, um, 
had the same fate there, uh, and then was drafted again by the Cubs. Uh, Preston Douglas, who I had my relationship with at 14, he didn't give up on me, drafted me again, uh, and then played in the Cubs organization uh, for two years. And just realized that, you know, my failure in college and in the pros was not a lack of talent. Uh, it was just a lack of core values. Um, and, you know, the values is the floor, but the virtues are, is the ceiling. And so I, I had none of them. Um, and so when my career was over and I started giving uh, professional instruction, uh, that was really the, the foundation of what I was going to do was how do I uh, teach and model these values through work ethic and, and help boys turn them into virtues because the baseball part, that's, that's easy. But if you don't have the core values, then you can't convert the talent to habits to skills. And so, you know, today now, uh, I'm one of the top coaches in the country, and uh, I do that through our for-profit business diamond directors, chief visionary officer for LEAD. Uh, we're well-known throughout the state and throughout uh, many parts of the country because I have the work ethic now that I did not have then. So. I'm, um, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, speaking to my younger version of myself and just saying, you know, hey, listen, we, we're going to be okay, uh, but these are the things that you need in order to make it. There's a lot to drill into there, and I'm going to put that on pause because <laughs> I want to hear your wife's story as well. Um, but I want to first say I'm sorry that you spent too much time watching WGN and not <laughs> TBS. You know, I wish it would have worked out the other way for you. Yeah. But no, that's uh, no. I remember the same thing. Is you know, you know when you come home in the afternoon from school, you turn on WGN. It's the Cubs. My my uh, folks made the right decision and made me wait till the night game with the Braves. But you know, it, it is what it is. We all make mistakes in life. CJ, yes, I'll yes. forgive you. But uh, Kelly. So hopefully you, uh, you, you now have, over the years, experienced more of a good CJ than, than y younger, uh, maybe less mature CJ. But tell me, how did, what about your story? Where did, what, what brought you to where you're sitting today? So uh, I was born uh, here in Atlanta, so not a Grady baby. I'm a Georgia Baptist baby. I don't even know if that's a thing, but it is for me. That's, is that Mercer? Uh, is that? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Kern and Mercer. Yeah, so yeah. Um, born in 78, and my parents split when I was about five, and that caused me to have to move to the country with my grandmother. Um, and that's right outside of Oglethorpe County in a small town called Crawford, Georgia. Uh, right outside of Athens. So I am a bulldog, uh, go dogs. I always say the first song I learned was not the Star Spangled Banner, it was Hunker Down, Harry Dog. <laughs> so I really had no choice but to be a bulldog, but sure. I do love my dogs. Um, my story um, is, uh, it's a lot. Um, you know, the war on drugs ran right through my living room. Um, you know, my mom and dad split, my dad split, um, and was here and there in and out, but not the kind of figure that a young girl needs, you know, trying to grow up and figure out who she is in the world. Uh, so I had that void in my life, um, but my mom uh, struggles with addiction, even, you know, to this day. So everything that that brings into a child's world, I had, you know, to deal with. 
Um, my rock through all of that was my grandmother, uh, Amy Lou Faust, and I try to speak her name as often as I can um, because if not for her, I would not be sitting here with you today. I would not be, um, not have the life that I have, not have the awesome husband and awesome kids that I have today. So, um, you know, growing up in that environment, it was just um, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of scarcity, um, just living on edge all the time, you know, you know, trying to figure out, you know, is, you know, is my mom gonna make it through the night in the house or is she gonna leave and, you know, Am I gonna have to be going out looking for her to make sure she's okay? So, you know, education to me has always been important because my grandma drilled it in me, you know what I'm saying? It was like, get your lesson. That's what she used to tell me all the time. So, you know, I've always had a respect for education, um, but my life and what I was going through just didn't allow me to take it as seriously as I could have had I had the right, you know, situation at home. So I kind of just grudged my way through school. It's like, if I can just get my high school diploma, I'm done and I'm out. You know what I mean? Because I had to focus on working and helping to provide, you know, for my grandmother. And then along the way, my sister came when I was about 11 years old. So, you know, just, you know, working to help, you know, support my grandmother as she supported me and my sister, feeling like a burden, you know what I'm saying? Because I, um, my grandmother had raised her kids, you know what I'm saying? And it was just, to me, felt kind of unfair that now you have these two grandchildren who you're not taking in just for the summer or you're not taking on vacation, like these are really your kids now. So um, when I got to high school, uh, I almost did not graduate due to just the high number of absences that I had but I had some high school counselors and teachers who would not let it be so, and I walked. And the first thing I did after I walked the next day is I left Athens because I just felt like I would get sucked into some things that you know would cause my life to just go down a road that I couldn't you know, get back from. And so really, one of the goals in my life was just not to be an addict, because I saw you know, what it did to my mom and what it was doing to my mom, who is an amazing human being, who is awesomely intelligent, who would give you the shirt off her back, you know, just made a bad choice, you know what I'm saying? And totally um, changed her life, but not just hers, but everyone who loves her. So to me, my life was just work, don't be an addict and you'll have a great life. Um, but I had, again, a high school counselor, Miss um, Daniels, and she was like, you're going to college. And this was like March, April of my senior year and I hadn't even completed any applications or anything. I was like, how am I going to college? I haven't even done anything. I don't know how I'm gonna pay for it or anything. She walked me through the whole FAFSA process, you know, which I had no clue about. You know, we settled in on Georgia State University because I had, you know, being from Atlanta, being born here, I had family here. So she was like, this is a good place for you to be where you're not too far away from home because I didn't want to go too far away from my grandmother. And I came to Georgia State and I was just, I was just really here. You know what I'm saying? No real focus. I mean, when you ask what you want to do in college, 
one of the people that was a staple in my life growing up. I mean, I watched a lot of TV growing up um, just to pacify myself with things that were going on at home. And Monica Kaufman, always saw Monica Kaufman on the news. And I was like, I can do that, you know? And so I would be in my room, you know, in addition to singing, because I love to sing, but I would be in my room delivering the news, you know, like Monica Kaufman. So when I came to Georgia State, I was a communications major. I thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, I can see that, by the way. Thank you. I can see that. Thank you. Yeah. But, you know, just really trying to find my way in life and not really understanding what I was supposed to do, what my purpose was, I was pretty much just in survival mode. So you guys do end up getting married young. Yes. Um, that presents a whole bunch of challenges in and of itself. Yes. But I know um, the life of a, a ball player's significant other is not an easy one. Mm -hmm. um, especially, you know, CJ, you already talked about the struggles of, okay, that part of my career is coming to an end. I'm sure that came with a whole lot for both of you guys to kind of process through. Talk to me about the piece of, okay, I want to use um, uh, my experiences in baseball to, what, what made you decide to, um, after your playing days were over, to go right into, um, you know, instruction and how did that lead to, to how did that lead to lead, yeah, yeah. Uh, ultimately at the end of the day? So, you know, when I, th when I think about, you know, men in my life, you know, like, you know, starting with my dad, uh, my dad um, still is a very quiet, reserved guy. I know sometimes he used to kind of drive my mom crazy because, you know, in, in, the, in having a conversation, it would be one of those things where uh, he, would, he would just be very methodical about uh, his response. Uh, and, but it really gave him some time to, like, really think things through. So he was a great example for that of just being calm. Uh, I think about um, Coach Butler. I think about... Um, Emmett Johnson, I think about Derek Stafford, uh, T.J. Wilson, Dave Whitfield, and Coach Cantrell, and Coach Hurst, and Denny Pritchett. D these men um, were were carrying me, and you know, a coach before it was used in sports was a means of transportation, and so these men would let me um, be in their life. Uh, in, in spite of my shortcomings, you know, they always made sure I got the benefit of the doubt, respect, and trust. And that allowed me to take advantage of some opportunities that I probably didn't deserve um, to have. And so, you know, that, that was just, as I was thinking about what I wanted to do in my life, I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. And so I just think about the impact that these men had. And I was like, you know, that's, that's what I want to do However, I want to be very intentional with it to the point of being able to not even asking a young man. So a lot of them asked me what I wanted to do. And then I would tell them I want to play with the Cubs. I mean, I was very clear. And then they, I don't, there are boys that don't even know what they want to do. So for me, what I want to do is I wanted to tell boys what I wanted them to do. This is what I want for you based on what I've seen of you. Now, what do you want to do? compare that so you know I felt like that that would be fun and um and, and fulfilling so um I was as we were married and trying to figure out you know what am I gonna do for work and I don't want to go back to school 
I went back to a place uh, called Sportsorama where I used to work out in the off season and um, I just figured, you know, hey, I can be a professional coach because you don't have to know what you're talking about to be a professional. You just <laughs> get a person some money. I'm like, I can, I can do this. And I got in and started doing it. And um, I just, as I was watching other instructors that were in the, in the facility, good men, and I was like, if, if I just do this, I will be better than all of them. Just if I just do this part. Because <laughs> I want to be the best. Because if I can be the best as an African-American man, then I can, I, can, I can really help a lot of other African-American boys. So I just got really committed to uh, being good. And I, I wasn't showing up late like I would when I played pro ball. Uh, I was showing up prepared, unlike I did when I was in college. And, and those habits just really stuck. And, um, and I started studying, uh, started reading a lot of books. And so now, I mean, I'm a, I'm a coach and I, I love it. Some people, they, they work really hard and go through a lot of training to be considered a doctor, things like that. But like, I'm, I'm a coach and I, I take that title very seriously. Hmm. Kelly, what, uh, what brought you guys back here? Um, I know you know, your, your travels as a player probably took you to a lot of different places. I know there's not a, a Cubs farm team here in Atlanta, right. but what, uh, what ultimately led y'all to the, the decision to settle back here in Atlanta? So we've always been here. CJ <laughs> just traveled. Mm -hmm. um, it, unfortunately, I never got a chance to see him play because I was at Georgia State at the time, and then I left Georgia State and start pursuing my real estate license and just, you know, working. And uh, I never got a chance to actually see him play. So we've always um, pretty much settled here uh, in Atlanta. Um, but what brought us to the point of starting lead, uh, CJ was um, giving batting instruction to one of our clients, um, a gentleman named Stan Conway. And Stan was, you know, around Jackie Robinson Day, you, we always have this talk about the decline of blacks in baseball. And it's like a routine conversation, you know, that happens around this time. And Stan basically said to CJ, you know, what are you doing about this decline of blacks in baseball? You're up here in this East Cobb area, you know, you're coaching my son, you know, and all these other white kids, but what are you doing for black kids like yourself? And um, that stung, you know, a lot and what CJ was doing for black kids at the time was he was providing free instruction if kids would reach out, you know, to him. And you know, I am the accountant in the family. <laughs> and I'm like, your time not matching up with money. Like what's, what's going on? Uh -huh. And you know, he always had a heart to help, but we just didn't have a mechanism to do it in a really impactful way. And, you know, he spoke to Stan about it and was just like, yeah, I'm not doing anything, but you know, it takes money, you know, to do it and do it right. And so Stan challenged us to put, to, put a budget together. And when CJ came home and told me that, I was like, dude, after we put the numbers together, I was like, this white man ain't finna give us all this money. <laughs> and he was like, I'm telling you what he said now. And we put together this budget, I think it was like a little over $40,000 to run a summer. Um, program and Stan actually came through with $60,000. Wow. Um, you know, connected us with resources to help us actually build our programming out the right way. 
um, you know, really helped us build a strong foundation for LEAD. And from that $60,000 worth of seed money, you know, we've grown LEAD to be a million plus organization. And, you know, it was because, you know, not only did Stan um, believe in us, uh, he took a risk on us, um, but he sponsored us. So he wasn't just a mentor to say, keep hope alive and don't give up. He actually sponsored us, which was the difference maker and why we can now do so much in the community from that seed of sponsorship. For more information about how you can get involved, visit leadcenterforyouth.org. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. Make sure and follow the show on social media at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. This season, we have launched a brand new video series to coincide with our ATL Bounce Back theme. Subscribe to the Atlanta Born and Brand YouTube channel for that content and more. Lastly, if you love the show, please spread the word. Share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your support helps make sure that more and more people hear the stories of all those folks doing great things all over the city. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon.